If you would, please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. We are looking at verses 8 through 13. We'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll read verses 8 through 13. We'll review where we're at. Uh, and um, draw a conclusion. Father, um, the power of the cross. Uh, Lord, we stand in a day that uh, I fear too many have forgotten. Father, as we draw to this season, uh, this time where we we rejoice and we remember, recall the birth of a Savior. Father, I pray that we understand that He was born to die. Die for the sins of mankind. And yet, Father, when I think of this text, knowing that Your love through the Spirit redemptive work of Jesus Christ has been poured in the hearts of natural man. Father, help us grasp that. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Father, may we rejoice. May we be overwhelmed. May we be excited that we may love as you love. And Father, may we, who are called by your name, Walk worthy, walk in power, walk in the exaltation of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, in the humility that saved us, sanctified us, glorified us, and will position us with you in the heavenlies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, O King. In Christ's name, amen. Verse 8, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have also been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Okay, now I want you to keep your context when you look at this text because he's talking about spiritual gifts. And, and I, I see this, when I hear people teach on spiritual gifts, they usually will jump into 12 or they'll jump into 14, but you miss the whole thing if you take it out of the book. All right? Chapter 12, verse 1 says, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be unaware of spiritual gifts. Ask yourself a simple question. Is the church ignorant of spiritual gifts? And I have to ask, Why? If he says, I don't want you to be, then 
Why is the church ignorant of spiritual gifts? But then in in verse 31, he says, I will show you a more excellent way. Okay? And that more excellent way is love. Is love. It's it's like uh, when I think about John 3.16, all right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believe in him have eternal life. And everybody says, we have eternal life. No. The focus of the text is God gave. There's a huge difference there. And when I think about the church, I see people in the church today who are seeking and struggling to embrace what? Their spiritual gift. Their spiritual gift. And one of the amazing things about spiritual gifts, and we have looked at this over months, is that your spiritual gift is not for you. It is for us. And we've also looked and seen that without love, your spiritual gift is useless. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. It is noisy. That's it. That's what he says in verses 1 through 4. If I... Speak with the tongues of men of angels and do not have love. I become noisy gong. If I have the gift of prophecy, I know all mysteries, all knowledge. I have all faith as to remove mountains and I do not have love. I am nothing. If I give all of my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, you can martyr me. But I do not have love. It has zero profit to it. Zero profit to it. And what I'm trying to express to you and what the Apostle Paul has been trying to express to us is that you as a Christian have one link to eternity. One. It's love. Why? Love never fails. Never fails. Okay? And we've been looking at it. The gifts are temporary. They're temporary. We've seen two verbs. Remember? Prophecy, knowledge had one verb. Tongues had a verb. Okay, one was active, one was passive. One, the tongues will cease, means that on their own, they will cease. Okay, why? When their function was finished, they were done. Okay, so all you have to do is ask yourself a simple question. What was tongues for? That's easy. Think about what the gift is and say, what is it for? Okay, it's a gift of languages. What? It was revelatory. God was revealing. Okay, oh, okay. So it was revelatory. Or do we need any more revelation? Okay, but it was also affirming. When the apostles came and they had the ability to speak in your language, right? It affirmed them. Do we have any more apostles? Do we have any need for apostles? No, but it was also judgmental. It was God's wrath against Israel. All right? And if you're truly honest, 70 AD, Judaism ceased to exist. Right? So ask yourself a question. Was its purpose fulfilled? Is there a need for the gift? All right, but then we've seen that there was another verb. All right? It will be done away with. And it literally means that something outside will cause it to be done away with. What? Prophecy and knowledge. All right? What is it? Well, the text says when the perfect comes. When the perfect comes. All right. And so we've been looking at what is the perfect? Tetelios. It's neuter. All right. Tetelion, tetelios, and tetelios can be either a feminine, 
Masculine or neuter? Here, it is neuter. When it speaks of Jesus Christ and his second coming, it is always masculine. All right? Here, it is neuter. All right, now, when the perfect comes, there will no longer be a need for prophecy or knowledge. Now, the church in Corinth was seeking what? Gifts. And there's nothing wrong to a seeking gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. Please. That is not what let me be really emphatic about this. Gifts are essential. <laughs> All right? We really, really need them. And we really, really need people to understand what they are and use them. I mean, I, I want to be emphatic about that. But he does say that these showy gifts, the one that would bring attention to you. All right? They will cease. And it's easy. They will cease when the perfect comes. All right, well, what is the perfect? Because when the perfect comes, we can deal. Last week I dealt with these. I'm just going to review them quickly. Some people believe that it is the completion of Scripture. Once the canonization of Scripture is done, when the perfect has come, then we don't need no more revelatory. We don't need this. We don't need that. Well, there's a problem with that teaching. Okay? Because the text, Scripture, says that during the tribulation period, what will be happening? There'll be pre- preaching going on, prophecy. Not only that, if you take the thousand-year kingdom as a literal kingdom, it says they will be doing what? Joel 2. They'll be preaching and there'll be knowledge and your sons will be preaching and your daughters will be preaching and there'll be Bible studies everywhere. Huh. So are you saying that it, at the canonization of Scripture, it stopped and then it'll start again in the tribulation? Well, that's not what the verb says. The verb says once it stops, it is, it is done. So I don't believe that it is the canonization of Scripture. All right, the sec- second one that you hear taught a lot is the rapture of the church. If you believe the ra- church is raptured at the beginning of the tribulation, that when the perfect is gone, that is the church, and therefore it is concluded. All right, But then you still have to deal with this issue. During that tribulation, listen, we got two guys in Jerusalem and they are what? Preaching. So the gift is gone. No. If you take the little kingdom, thousand year kingdom, there is what going on in that? Preaching. All right. And listen, you can't do away with knowledge. People say, well, what? Listen, now listen, I've heard preachers who have no knowledge. That's not what I'm saying, but you shouldn't. Okay. All right, so you have to have the two hooked together. All right, all right. A newest, one of the newest teachings on this is what they call the maturing of the church. And they literally believe that the church will get its, the church has a finite number coming into it. When the number of Gentiles has reached, uh, Romans teaches this. So when that number is reached, then that is the perfect. And there'll be no more preaching and there'll be no more teaching. Okay, well, that don't fit either, because I still have to deal with, well, who's preaching in the kingdom? Who's preaching in the rapture, the tribulation period? Okay, and what is the church supposed to do if we've got all the people and we don't have no preaching and teaching going on? All right, so that one doesn't work. And, and I validated these. The, the, probably the best text to deal with these is Isaiah 11. I'll let you go look at it in Isaiah 12. Because Isaiah 12 talks about the kingdom and there will be salvation in this kingdom. And he tells in, in verse 13, he tells Israel, go preach. 
You need to preach, right? Because salvation is still coming. And people say, well, that's a hyperbole. Well, no, I got news for you. The lion has not laid down with the lamb. Okay, that's Isaiah 11. And, you know, I know a bunch of lions who would like to lay down with the lamb, but I don't know any lambs who want to lay down with no lions. Okay, and, and the kid in the snake pit and all the rest of it. So that, that's tough stuff. You know, I mean, you know, people say, well, I think this is fulfilled. I don't. Okay, so anyway, that's where I, I leave that. And, and I want you to think about that because you go look at it. You can see what Isaiah is talking about. It. You see it in Ezekiel. You see it in Jeremiah. You see it in Micah. Uh, it, it's, it's all over the place. So it's not like I've just come up with this harebrained idea. All right. So there are others teachings out there on what is the perfect okay to teleos it means to be complete it means to be perfect and not lacking it is the whole uh, it is used to speak of maturity it is used to speak of uh, uh, of not lacking of anything uh, it is the root word that you see telestai okay and everybody knows telestai it is finished Okay. Now, when Jesus said those words, he wasn't saying you're still going to get saved a little bit. You're done. You know, it's like a, I, I try to explain to people whether you believe it or not is irrelevant. You are as holy now as you're ever going to be. What? You can't say that. Now, the Bible says that. Okay. Now, you may not believe it and you may not act like it, but you ain't getting any holier. All right, and I know some of you say, well, that's depressing. Well, there's a lot more work going on in what you realize. All right, so, but, but I, I share that with people because he says, my glory, I give them. All right, well, what does that mean? Well, he, you're already there. Okay, how do you commune with God? In holiness. All right, now, now, and I understand what you perceive and what you see. I understand that. But I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ said it is finished, he didn't say it is finished and getting really close. It is finished. You are as saved as you're going to get. Okay? So I'm not lacking. All right? This place, this perfect thing, because it's, neutered there's no need for preaching and there's no need for teaching okay so what in the heck is this place there no need to be a gift for the equipping the saints for the work of ministry got that so when i start looking at this and understanding that i have partial you can have the best preacher in the world right now and guess what you have Partial. That's what it says. It says right here. We know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, verse 10, the partial will be done away with because it will be all complete. The other issues that you have, whether it is the canonization of Scripture and whether you have um, the rapture of the church and maturing of the church, or the second coming of Christ, you have an issue. Okay? Face to face. When the perfect comes, I will now then be face to face. Well, that's the second coming of Christ, is it? Will you know as you are known at the second coming of Christ? 
Because see, that's the other issue you have to still deal with. Because he says, when the perfect come, I'm going to be face to face. When the perfect comes, I will know as I have been known. And I mean, even if you got a picture Bible and you got a picture of Jesus, you still don't know him as you were known. So this perfect thing, understanding that Tetelios is neutered, okay, is a thing. It's not a person. Cool. Also understand this. The Apostle Paul in this text is giving a contrast between, please hear me well. The contrast the Apostle Paul is giving in this text is not gifts and love. The contrast is time and eternity. I have this for a time. I have this for eternity. All right? That is where we get kind of twisted on this thing. All right? So I have something, the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, the gift of tongues. All the spiritual gifts are given for time. But I have one thing that has already been given to me, and it is for eternity. And that is Paul's contrast. Now then, any of the rest of these illustrations that I have given you have an issue with that contrast. They do not deal with the fact that one is based on time and one is based on eternity. Okay? So what has he given us? What is the perfect that will keep face to face, know as I am known, and will deal with Time and eternity. It's easy. It's not a person. It's a thing. What is the thing? The eternal state. What I call the heavenlies. Okay? See, it allows for preaching and knowledge in the tribulation. It allows for preaching and knowledge in the thousand-year kingdom. Okay, in the quote-unquote church age. But the heavenlies, I will not need preaching or teaching. I don't, you know what? In the heaven, I don't need a Bible study. I like that. I like that. Why? You be perfect for your father in is perfect. Perfect. You know what word perfect is? To tell us. To tell us. Lacking nothing. It is the whole. As the Father is perfect, and it fits the contrast. What is the contrast? Where is the eternals? It ain't here. It ain't here. Listen. The whole contrast is between time and eternity. Okay? Paul is saying these things, these gifts, they started out in chapter 12, remember? And he'll cruise right on through 14 dealing with them. He says they're important, but they are only for time. They're only for time. These are going to go away. Only love will go all the way across because it is only eternal. See, we lose the contrast if we try to force anything else into it. 
Because then you're just going to put a contrast and say, well, the gifts and love, and gifts and love, and gifts and love. That's not the contrast the Apostle Paul's look. Listen, this was a very non-loving church. There were schism in the church. They were taking people, they were taking the saints to court and suing them. Okay? They were dealing with immorality and were touting it as freedom. There were people running around saying, if you're married, you're not that spiritual. And there were other people running around saying, if you're not married, you're not that spiritual. That just don't sound loving to me. Okay? And there were schisms. There was divisions. There was all kinds of turmoil in the church. They were literally the rich people didn't have to work and they would have a potluck and they would come early so they could eat everything. And then when the poor people who had to work showed up, there wasn't nothing left. And he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're bringing your, your pagan worship and you're trying to blend your pagan worship with the worship of the true living God. So he's saying you're already linked into the eternals. Why don't you act like it? Okay. See, Paul wants us to think about your single link that you have to the eternity. Verse 8 says, love never fails. Now listen, it doesn't say love always wins. It never fails. You know what that means, right? It is a time component. It is a time component. Okay? Fail means fall. It's used to speak of a, the petal of a flower and it falls down on the ground and decays. And it says love can never do that. So it's a time component. The whole point is to show that love is the only thing that is eternal. Know that love is this only thing that is in the church age and that is in the tribulation age and is in the kingdom age and it is the only thing that will go outside of the thousand year kingdom age and will still exist and will still be there. It is eternal. And everything else is short of eternity. Everything else is partial. Everything else, and we'll look at it deeper next week, is elementary. And love is the only one that goes on and on and on. And the only way I can explain face-to-face is where? The eternal state. You can't get it until Revelations 21 and 22. Did you understand what I said? You can't get it in the, in the thousand year kingdom. Revelations 21 and 22 says that he will wipe out heaven and earth and he will create a new heaven. He'll create a new earth and then he's going to bring down a 1500 mile cube city called the new Jerusalem. He will dwell there and we'll go in and out and the whole world's going to see this place. But then you have to have the new heaven and the new earth. So now all of a sudden I'm all the way out here. Because I'm looking at face to face into the presence of God, into the glory of God. We looked at it last night in Exodus. Okay? You will see the glory of God. What does that always refer to? His presence. You don't see the presence of God outside of the person of Jesus Christ during a thousand year kingdom when he's on David's throne. Now, don't get me wrong, that's going to be a blast. But it still isn't face to face. And it still isn't. I still don't have the ability to know as I am known. And there's still going to be preaching and teaching going on. 
New Jerusalem descends. The glory of God manifests here in eternity. That's where I'm going to see God. I will see his glory. I'll behold his glory. I'll be in the presence of God face to face. I will know as I am known. And he uses the word fully. You know what that means, right? There's nothing lacking. Why? Because it is the perfect. It is the complete. It is that eternal state. It fits our context. All right. Let me show you. Go to the letter to the Philippians chapter 1. Okay, understand that Paul is in prison. Okay, he's chained to a Roman soldier. And as far as he knows, he's about done. Okay, uh, the proverbial fat lady's about to sing and I'm out of here. Woo-hoo! Okay, and it's, that's Philippians. When you think about the letter to the Philippians, think that Paul's chained 24 hours. He's waiting for his hearing before Caesar, and he thinks, I'm down. They're going to cut my head off, and that's okay. All right, because I want you to look at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 21 is where I'll start. For me to live, for to me, to live is Christ. But then what does he say? To die is gain. Okay? Do you understand what he just said here? And now it's one thing to sit here today, getting ready to eat our little Christmas dinner and have Yahoo. But how do you feel when you're chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day, knowing that any time now your life may end? And he says, that's gain. That's gain. Okay. That's what Paul says there. All right. Now look what he says. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean what? Fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. All right? I am hard-pressed on both directions, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. For what is very much better, yet remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. If I have to stay here and keep preaching and teaching, whose sake is it? It wasn't Paul's. It was for the saints. If I am to stay, okay. But I think to die is my benefit package. I will get gain from that position. All right. So what you're telling me, Paul, is that it is a bigger benefit to be absent from the body and to be present with Christ than to stay here. But if I must have fruitful labor, I shall stay. I shall stay. Convinced of this, verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all in your progress and joy in what? So that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. All right. He was hoping to be able to come to the Philippians, come back to them. And he says, I am confident that God wants me to come back to them. Why? Because I want to see your joy and your faith. Okay? And he was convinced of that. He was convinced of that. Okay? Drop on down there to chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, 
If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection or compassion, make my joy complete. By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, selfishness or empty conceit, but in humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Did you see what he just did? You could take that text and transpose it right in the middle of chapter 13 and say, yo, Corinthians, do nothing. From vain conceit or selfishness. But consider others more important than yourself. Why? Because that is love. Remember the 15 facets of love? Do you see see how this works? He says, the only reason that I could see that I could come back here and I would understand why he would do it is if I came back here so I could see Christ's love in all of you. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also is in Christ Jesus. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as thing to grasp. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, found, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason... Also, God highly exalted him. Now, remember, he has been highly exalted. Where is he? He's at the right hand of God. Where is that? It's up. I've had people ask me, where's heaven? Up. Why? Because everybody says they're going up to heaven. Jesus said he was going up, and they went up, and we're going up. So where is it? It's up. Now we get into trouble if you're in China. You do. If I go up, where do the Chinese go? No, they go up too. And I don't know how that all works. Okay, that's one of them. God says, I did it. But he says, don't worry, I hung it in nothing anyway. So, all right. But you see what I'm trying to get at? Where is the perfect? Where is there no need for preaching? No need for teaching. Where There's no need for mercy. There's no need for the gift of faith. Prayer, there's no need for any of the spiritual gifts. There's only one place, people. One place. Where? Heavens. In the presence of God. Why? Because then I'm face to face. Come on, people. That ought to excite somebody. (laughs) If I didn't have this little cord right here, I'd have been gone. I don't even need an opening roof on this building. That just blows my mind absent present I stay here why everybody says we don't know (laughs) we've been asking ourselves that for years (laughs) ask yourself this question you read that text right there ask yourself this simple question do I look more like a Corinthian or do I look more like my brother Paul I do nothing out of selfishness or vain conceit, but I consider who more important than myself? Everybody. And he's chained to a soldier knowing that any time he could be executed. But he says, you know what? I'm pretty confident God's going to bring me back to you, Philippians. Why? Because you bring me joy. 
How? In your faith? Okay, one more text. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1. Okay? Same people, the divisive church. Okay, he's writing them. This is actually uh, the fourth letter to them, but we got two of them, and we have Corinthians 1 and 2. Okay? For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, okay, my body, this is my earthly tent, we have a building from God, a house, not made with hands. Where is it? Eternal in the heavens. Okay? You see what he's setting up, don't you? For indeed, in this house we groan. The other day I was working in, uh, yesterday I was working in a well pit down in Monument. and uh, It was really cold yesterday morning. Anybody notice that? And uh, I don't understand why they made these little well pit for midgets. But you got to work in the thing like this all hunkered over. And I kept thinking, you guys dug a hole to put this casing in here and you made it four foot high. What was you thinking? If you're going to make a well pit, make it nine foot high. <laughs> you know, I can stand up and work like a normal human being. Anyway, uh, last night for the worship service, my tent was groaning. <laughs> the tops of my thighs was hurting. My back was hurting. My shoulders was hurting. My elbows was hurting. Everything was hurting. Why? It was groaning. It was saying it's temporal and you made me mad. Okay, for indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with what? Our dwelling from heaven. Okay, what is it showing you there? I'm going to receive a heavenly body that doesn't have to work in well pits. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by this life. This life is going to destroy the mortal. Okay, I got a little statement in my Bible that says, Better led by Christ than bled by the world. Okay, therefore, or wait, no, I want to show you this. Yeah, okay, swallowed up by life. Now he, Christ, who prepared for us this very purpose in God, also gave us the spirit as a pledge. This is where the Holy Spirit is described as an engagement ring. The word pledge there has to do with being engaged. You are engaged to Jesus Christ. Okay, and it is a promise. You are sealed in the Spirit so that the Spirit has promised you. You know, the Spirit bears witness with yours that you are a child of God. And you can rest in that assurance knowing that you have a dwelling place that is where? In heaven, who was created, and it was created, this dwelling thing, this tent picture that he gives you, is now a house, so it's permanent, whereas my body is a temporary thing and so i get my permanent house where is it he told us heaven it's with god so he says this you have the promise of the holy spirit he has sealed you therefore i love that word therefore because of what i just said being always of good courage 
Do you get that? God, God doesn't like grumblers. We was looking at that last night. He kind of gets cranky about that. Um, he don't like chickens either. Cards. Be of good courage. And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are what? Absent from the Lord. Verse 7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be what? And to be where? So a Christian, when a Christian dies, it is now face to face, knowing fully as they were known. I'm not waiting for the new Jerusalem. I am not waiting for the new heaven. I am not waiting for the new earth. Absent from the body, present, where? Heaven. Okay. That's the perfect. That's the perfect. You ever thought about, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but that's all right. I watch people who get diagnosed with terrible diseases. And what is it they immediately want? Healing. You know what healing is? It's in the new house. Because all you're going to get here is a patched tent. <laughs> Ain't you? I mean, he pulled Lazarus out of the grave. Guess what Lazarus got to do again? Die. All right, so when you think about healing, I, do you want the tent patched or do you want the new house? Do you want to continue on in this pilgrimage or do you want to see face to face and know as you are fully known? <laughs> so everybody says, we ain't asking him to pray for our healing, are we? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> okay. But I, I wish that we would grab this because remember verse 7, he says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay. But we are drawing to the conclusion. Okay. Well, is that the second? Yeah, it's the second coming, but every one of us have a conclusion. It's given unto man to do what once? Die. All right. So, so you see what I'm trying to get at here? The what is the perfect? When the perfect comes, there's no more partial. When the perfect comes, it's face to face. When the perfect comes, there's no more need for gifts. When the perfect comes, I don't need the body of Christ. I don't need preaching and teaching. I don't need service. I don't need mercy. I don't need gentleness. I don't need any of the gifts. When the perfect comes. And I will know as I am fully known. There's only one place that can be in the presence of God, in the presence of God. I'm not talking about catching yourself up in the air or any of that. Stuff. I'm talking about in the presence of God, in the presence of God, because let's be realistic. When you read that text, don't our bodies groan? You're, you, some of you are younger and 
you know, I have the Mickey Mantle syndrome. Had I known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. Okay? Um, and, and there's days when it just, golly, and why? Okay? And yet, why do we want to prolong it here? I gave you that text. So I can labor among you and see your fruit. It's the only reason. Because I got to be honest with you. As a pastor, as a saint of the Most High God, I would prefer to be gone. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. But right now he wants me here. Okay? Now think about what I gave you in, in, in Philippians. He, he wants me here so that you can be my joy. You think about that. Because it goes for you too. He wants you here so that we can be your joy. Changes the whole picture. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care. Do nothing out of selfishness or vain conceit. Consider others more important than yourself. Listen, that's not humanly possible. The only way you're going to do that is if you're a new creature in Christ. And I prefer to be with Him. Okay, that should be the longing of every Christian. And yet it is by faith. It is not by sight. But if I am to labor here, so be it that you would be my joy and that I would see your faith and vice versa. Back to our text. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, verse 10, the partial will be done away with. Why? Love never fails. Love never fails. And I shared with you last week that one of the big industries in the city of Corinth was making mirrors and it was just shining up of steel or, or brass and it would be kind of fuzzy. I mean, you know, you could spend big bucks and get a nice one, but you're still not going to be able to make out like how long the eyelashes were and all the rest of it. And he says, you see dimly now. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, but you in a mirror are being transformed from glory to glory. Why? <clears throat> I long for the perfect. I long for the complete. I long to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. But now I labor to bear fruit with my brothers and my sisters that are here on this planet. Until that time, our faith becomes sight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, the amazing things you continue to show us. Lord, uh, I think about the cross. And I think about love. The only innocent man murdered because he loved us. Hmm. Father, may we be known by our love. And yet, Father, in days we've grown maybe a little more for that longing to be with you.
Father, I pray that as Paul wrote the church in Ephesus, we redeem the time. Let us use what you've given us. Let us be good stewards. Father, may this fellowship, may this group of people do nothing, absolutely nothing, out of selfishness or vain conceit. And Father, may we, in all humility, consider others more important than ourselves. Because this is the attitude of Christ, whom you exalted to your right hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for my brother Paul who went before us. Father, may we pursue with an eagerness and a longing as Paul, knowing that Paul wanted to be as Christ. To your glory and praise. Amen.